Peter this morning, and we'll start here. First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two, and we'll read the first two verses here. First Peter chapter two, verse one. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Verse 3 will add, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby it. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. When you start on your journey with the Lord, you should be tasting how gracious he is to you. And when you know the graciousness of God, you desire to please him. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to desire to please God. It's not about works. We understand this, but there is a work involved with the kingdom of heaven. And that involves making sure that you're laying aside malice for others. It's laying aside deceit, white lies, lying that used to come out of your mouth. It's, it's laying aside hypocrisy, where I used to say one thing and do the other, but now I will always say what I mean and mean what I say. Laying aside all envy and all evil speaking, that's profanity of your mouth. Cursing of others, cursing of yourself. You're laying aside those things to grow thereby in the graciousness of God. That's how it all starts. So let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews 5. And you do this how? By the word. You do this by the word of God. You do it by the word of God. Hebrews chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 9. All right, verse 9 of chapter 5 of Hebrews. And having been perfected, he, Jesus, became the author of eternal salvation in all who obey him. So when we have found the graciousness of Jesus Christ, he is the author of our eternal salvation. Last week we talked about the highest life, his eternal life, life and life abundantly today. He is the author of it. When you have tasted of his graciousness, you want to obey him. Verse 10, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say. And it's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing it. This man, this man is the son of God. He is a high priest under the order of Melchizedek. And we can become dull of listening about him. But yet we have much to say about him. We have much to reveal about him. And when we go from glory to glory, when we come to faith to faith, it's that we are revealing more of Jesus, and you get it. And I get it. And we all get it. Another face of Jesus. Another revelation of his graciousness. Another taste of partaking of his divine nature. Another taste of partaking of his Holy Spirit. You hear it? Yes. All right. 
Keep going. It's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers of the word, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have, be, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's just a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That's maturity. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You have how many senses? Right? If you're a woman, you have an intuition, so that's another sense. So you add that, right, if you're a female. But you have to exercise these senses. What senses are we talking about? Your spiritual senses. You have spiritual eyes. You have spiritual ears. You have a spiritual mouth. You have a spiritual nose. You have a spirit that discerns. Male and female, you have to know him not by the physical, but by the spiritual. And you've got to be practicing those senses. You can taste and see that the Lord is good. How? If I talk to you about physical things and you don't understand, how can you know spiritual things? This is a simple analogy. This is a simple analogy. And the writer of Hebrews is like, you should be exercising these things. This is a simple thing to be doing. This is what it means to obey God because those who love God obey his commandments. And how do you know that you love God? You're obeying him. That's 1 John. Well, how do I obey him? I hear his voice and I do what he says. I smell his presence and I say, yeah, I want more of that. I taste and see that the Lord is good and I say, I want to be fed with the bread of life. I drink of his goodness and I say, I want more of his goodness. I drink and I taste and I see and I hear and I smell the kingdom of God in my hands and I advance it and I give it to someone else. I give it to someone else. That is what we are doing and you should be skilled in this and many of us are. Many of us are. This is Paul being the walking, living, breathing bride of Christ. The walking, living, breathing bride of Christ has senses that are available and are willing and are open to hear, see, taste, smell the kingdom of heaven around her. That's us. Say, that's me. Verse 6. I mean, chapter 6. We're keeping going, right? So those by reason of use have their senses, senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore... Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ behind, let us go on to perfection. That is what we talked about last week. Let us go on to perfection, the highest life of who? Christ Jesus. In where? In you. He's inside you. I am in charge of increasing my faith. I am in charge of increasing my faith. What am I doing? I'm believing more and more that Christ is in me. I'm believing more and more that I have everything that I need in here. Why? Because now I am the ark of God. I am the testimony of the faith. And wherever I go, the ark of God goes. And the presence of God goes with me. You have to, that's the revelation that you're unveiling. Because you only know a portion of that which is within you. That's the elementary principles. And as you get deeper in the faith, you should actually know more and more about who's within you and coming out of you more. The presence of God is the son of God's presence. 
The presence of God is Jesus' presence and his nature and his thoughts and his countenance and his laughter and his joy and his rebukes and his disciplines coming out of you because you become a vessel that's gotten out of the way for him to go through you. And he is patient with this work. He is patient with this work. He is long-suffering in this work. Leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ behind, let us go on to this perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That's the milk. That's the milk. What else is milk? And of faith towards God. That's milk. That is the beginnings of Christianity. That's the beginnings of your walk with Jesus. What else is milk? The doctrine of baptisms. That's elementary. That is an elementary principle in God to know that there are two baptisms. That is an elementary principle in the faith to know that there are two baptisms. There's water baptism and there's Holy Spirit baptism. Okay? It's an elementary principle to know about the laying on of hands. That's how you actually get one of the baptisms. Okay. This is milk and of the resurrection of the dead. That means what's to come and of eternal judgment that is to come. These are elementary principles. We're laying these behind us because we're growing. We're not getting rid of them as if we don't know what they are and we don't have to have anything to do with them. But actually, the greater measure of glory is in the depths of these principles. It's knowing and understanding these deeper in how we go to faith to faith. But there's more that we want to talk about. There's more that we want to know. There's more that we need to become in Christ Jesus. And if we keep laying these foundations, where are we going? If we keep cracking this foundation, where are we building? If we keep doubting this rock that which we stand upon, how are we ever going to build? That, he said, we got to keep building here. This is the simplicity of the gospel. This is the things that you should already know. But yet we so often run into Christians of the faith that are like, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's not even in here. How do you not even know that? That's in Acts, what, 18, 16? Verse 3, and this we will do if God permits. For, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift, if you have been a partaker of the divine nature, of the perfection, and have become partakers of what? The Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. If they become the apostasy, if they fall away and reject it, they say, no, that, I don't believe that anymore. That's that falling away. If they fall away, to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame. We've watched that out. There's not many things that are impossible in the Bible. Right? How many things are impossible in the Bible? None. But yet the word says here, it is impossible that if we have tasted all of these things and we turn our back to Jesus and say, no more, I don't believe anything of that Holy Spirit. That's actually that sin that can't be forgiven because then you blaspheme the Holy Ghost saying that that's not of the spirit of God. That was of the spirit of the devil or the man. And that's where if you have tasted of him and you have known him and you have walked in this and then you turn around and blaspheme God's spirit, that's the sin that can't be forgiven. That's what he's talking about. If it brings a holiness of fear on you, good. Good. We cannot blaspheme the Holy Ghost. You have to taste of him and know him 
You have to. That's what we're doing. And if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance is impossible because then they crucify again for themselves the Son of God. And they put him to open shame. Verse 6. Amber said yesterday, we had a family um, conference yesterday all day. And it was really good. If you weren't able to be here, it was so good. And lots of testimony. The, the heart of the Lord was on families that have been blended. As in, there's mothers and fathers who have had kids and now are married. And how do you walk in the spirit? And how do you walk together in that? How do you walk in agreement with this? It was awesome. And the reconciliation that Jesus brings for that. And the redemption and the life that it produces from old to young. And so that was what we talked about yesterday. My wife spoke and she said, we seek Jesus and his word. We don't seek solutions. We seek Jesus and his word. We don't seek solutions. And it's easy as a parent to seek solutions from everybody but the word. <laughs> I don't, you know... It's just the way it is nowadays. You will seek a solution for an earache in everywhere but the Word. And you're like, well, Grant, there's nothing in the Bible about an earache. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't looked. It's a, that's a statement, right? Are you sure? Are you absolutely sure there was nobody in the Bible who had an earache that got healed? You're absolutely certain about this, right? Why? Why do we do such a thing? Go to Philippians 4, 3. We seek Jesus and his word. We don't seek solutions. We can hear and get solutions for lots of things, but the word of the Lord is your best bet. If you want to bet, it's your best bet. <laughs> I want to build something here. Let's read some verses. Philippians 4.3. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel and help with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. All right, so, you know, like that's a random verse. It is. But I'm focusing on whose names are in the book of life. Let's go to Revelation 3. Let let you help, the true companions, help these whose names are in the book of life. Revelation 3. Revelation 3, verse 5. Revelation 3, verse 5. This is to the, the church of Sardis. And he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. But I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Let him who has an ear hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to his churches. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Go to Revelation 17, verse 8. I'm building something here, and you should be building with me. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition and those who dwell on earth will marvel whose names are not written in the book of life from when? The foundation of the world. 
when they see the beast was and is not, and yet he is. So those who dwell on the earth will marvel when they see this beast. Those people are the names that are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast that was and is not and, is, and yet is. Compare this verse to Revelation 1 verse 4 where it says, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. This actually is, a, this is one of those themes in Revelation. You have the beast who is this, who was and is not and yet is. And you have the word in the flesh, Jesus, who is and who was and who is to come. Comparing those from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Go to Revelation 20. Revelation 20, verse 12. This is at the end of everything. The end, the end, the end. And I saw the dead, both small and great, standing before God, and books, lots of books, were opened. And another book was opened, which, was, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The book of life. Okay. You have to be in the book of life. You have to be in the book of life. Why? Because in verse 15, this is why. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire, that is the second death, where you exist no more. You don't exist. You just get deleted. That's a real thing. That's a real fire. That's a real lake. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into this lake of fire. You have to be in the book of life. What is the book of life? It's actually a person. <laughs> Go to John 1. What is the book of life? You have to be in the book of life. You have to be in the book of life. Who was and who is and who is to come. Who was and who is and who is to come. You have to be in the book of life. You have to be in him. How do I know it's him? Right? He said that I am the bread of life. All who comes to me will never hunger or thirst again. He's the water of life. He said, my words are life. My words are life and life indeed. And what did he say he was? At the beginning, John 1. I'm in Matteo. What did I do? Okay, John 1. Yes? Yes. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And if you were predestined to know Him, you were written before the foundation of the world in Him, in the book of life. And He chose you, and He knew you before you were in your mother's womb and said, You are mine. And you are in me, and you are in the book of life. You have a choice in this. Yes, but there is a predestined to this. How does that work? That's another day. But it's you are chosen by God. And you have to say, yeah, I am in the book of life. Because there is that scripture. You can get blotted out. 
How do you get blotted out? When you have partaken of the Holy Spirit, you have said yes to all of his ways, and then you say, no, that wasn't even of God. And you're like, well, didn't Peter do that? No, he didn't. He did not. He did not. That doesn't mean that you sin against Jesus, you get blurted and blotted out of the book of life. It's if you account all that his spirit can do as of the spirit of the devil. And that is what Satan is going to try to do in this last age. That is what he wants you to do. He wants you to fall away from the Holy Spirit. This is the age of the lordship of the Holy Ghost and no one else. The age of the lordship of the Holy Ghost. And so it's going to get really real on whether you of the Holy Spirit or are you of not. And it's going to cost you if you say you're of the Holy Spirit. And the devil's going to tempt you and say, it's not worth that. But it'll lose you everything. That's where we're going. That's where we're headed. This is what your children need to know. This is what your children need to know. This, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. And to him was life. And to him was life. He is the book of life. He is the words of life. And this life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it with their senses. They did not comprehend it with their mind and their eyes and their noses and their ears. They did not understand the kingdom of heaven. And when you're not understanding in the kingdom of heaven, you're a babe that still needs milk. But you have been called to maturity. You've been called to the perfection. You've been called to be partakers of the Holy Spirit that can teach and do the words of God. Because those who obey him love him. And those who love him, obey him. It's the same. It's the same. Yes? You with me? There was a man sent from God. His name was John. So let's skip a little bit. We're talking about the word of God, and it's in 10. He, this man who was the light of the world, the life of the world, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, that was the Jews, and his own family did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to be written in the book of life, to be in him, and to those who believe in his name who were born. They weren't born of God. They weren't, I mean, they weren't born of blood. They weren't born of flesh, nor of the will of man, that they were born of God. And this word, this word that was from the beginning became flesh. That means he became like you and me. That means he became dirt like us. He became flesh. He became mortal. And he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's him. This is the book of life that you are called to be in. This is why Brandy constantly says, abide in me. Because if you are abiding in him, you are in the book of life. And those who are in the book of life will never be rejected. 
You have to be found written in, written in the book of life. You have to be found written in the book of life. You have to be found written in the book of life to escape the second death, the second fire, the lake of fire. This is what it means. This, 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 this is living and breathing. This is living and breathing. It's alive. It's alive. What book was left at the end? What book was left at the end? All the books were open. What book was left? The book of life was left. This is the one that will only be at the end. This is the only one that will be at the end. Are you in it? Are you in it? Are you in the book of life? Are you in it? Are you in it? <laughs> Are you in the book of life? You see, this is, this is what happens. We go in the book of life, and we see ourselves in it, and we don't like what the Lord sees in us, right? Because he will show you, he'll tell you, this is what I see. I see that you lusted after a woman, so you're an adulterer. I see that you hate your brother, so you're a murderer. I see that you're a sluggard. I see that you're a glutton. I see that you are participating with Jezebel. I see that you're participating with Ahab. I see that you have pride and arrogance. I see that you have selfish ambition that's not for my glory. He sees those things. And he reveals them in you as you read this word. He does. And he shows you who you are. And it's not what you want to hear. And it's not what you want to see, but that's often where you stop. That's often where you stop. Go to Revelation 3. That's often where we stop. When we go into the book of life and we read, and it's like you're on the pages, and you can shut your ears and you can shut your eyes and you can shut your heart to really receiving what the word is saying because you don't want to hear it. But those that have softened and, and skilled their ears to know, I'm going to hear this. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to taste this. I'm going to see because this Bible will tell me it's alive who I am. It will show me what I am. <laughs> it will show you who you are. Go to uh, Revelation 3, verse, verse 14. And this write to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans and write, these things says the amen. The faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Who is this? The word of God. Who was at the beginning. Who was with God. All things were written through him. In him is life. Right? And this word became flesh. He was at the beginning of creation of God. And what is he? He is a faithful and a true witness. First against your own soul. He will first look at your own soul and be a true and faithful witness. He'll tell you what it is. He will, and he always has, if you will listen to him. These things, says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, but I wish that you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich. You say, I have become wealthy. You say, I have need of nothing. And you don't know that what I see is you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. You, you see? He tells you what he sees. 
When you are actually in the book of life, the faithful and true witness will tell you what he sees in your life. He will tell you what he sees in your heart. He will tell you what he sees on your soul. He will tell you what he sees. And you don't get past this point. And you shut it. (laughs) I won't do that. You know these things. You're looking in a mirror. Why are you saying things I already know, God? Verse 18. And I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may finally see what I see. And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten because you were written in me from the beginning. I chose you. You were predestined to be in the book of life from the beginning. So I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. This is what you don't do right here in 20. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. This is, this is the truth, is we will read this Bible, we will read the book of life, and we will see what God sees about us, but we aren't willing to hear what he has to say about us. He will shine the light. He is the life that is the light of men. But if you were to listen and hear what he has to say, Let him come in and dine with you. Let him come in and sit at the table with you. Let him eat with you. He'll tell you that you're loved. (laughs) He'll say, this isn't the end. This is what I actually think about you. That's when you eat of him. That's when you drink of him. And that's when he says, I forgive you. You can see who you are in this Bible, but not many have the patience to hear who they are from the words of life. They don't have the patience or they get angry and offended that God sees these things about them or God calls it out or God confronts it, but you have to sit and eat with him and let him tell you what he thinks about it and how he can clean it and how he can wash it and how he can bless you, and how he can forgive you, and how he can heal you, and how he can fill you and make it right. That's what it means to be in the book of life. That's what it means to be in the book of life. Can you turn those off for me? That's what it means to be in the book of life. Yes, this is D.L. Moody. The Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. The Bible was not given for your information, but for your transformation. Why is it that many Christians are cold? Because they are all the time receiving the word of God and never giving it out. D.L. Moody. Why is it that Christians are cold? Because they are all the time receiving, never giving out anything. Faith makes all things possible, but love makes them easy. 
Faith will make all things possible, but love makes it easy. You have to start with faith. And you have to have the faith, right? It is impossible to please God without faith. We understand that in Hebrews. But if you don't sit down and eat with him, you don't understand the love of God. (laughs) It's a hard burden. It's simple when you have the love. It is simple to believe when you sit down and you hear the voice of the word of life. It is simple to look in his eyes and say, you know what, I'm not going to (laughs) lose. Because love is stronger than death. Love, not my love, but the love that I saw in that man, Jesus Christ, in the flesh, he's the word of God. He was in the beginning. He's the faithful and true witness. And he sees the adultery in me. He sees the, the whatever, the yuck. He sees, the, he sees it. But he said, you know what? This isn't the end. I love you because I love you. And I forgive you. And I'm rebuking you. And I'm chastening you. But I'm knocking because I want to come in. And I want to, I want to love. And I want to fix this. And I want to eat. And now let's go build and make some fruit. Because those who abide in me will bear fruit. This isn't just for the young men and the young women. This is for the old men and the old women. (laughs) This is for everybody. The latter days can be greater than the former. I believe this. I believe the latter days of the house of God will be greater than the former. I believe that there is a latter reign. I believe that there is a coming glory that the church will step into like it is nothing. And that is how I want to live my life. I want to be so filled with the glory later in life Then, whenever I sh- preached up here, as you saw me at 35, you're like, wow, surely God left the best for last for Graham. Yes. That should always be how it is. Yes. You should always be like, wow, God left the best for last for me every day. Every day is better. Every day is better. Every day is better. Every day is better. every day is better 21 in in revelations 3 to him who overcomes i will grant to sit with me on my throne as i also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne and he who has an ear let him hear what the holy spirit is saying to his church today D.L. Moody, everybody wants to enjoy heaven after they die, but they don't want to be heavenly minded while they live. Everybody wants to enjoy heaven after they die, but they refuse to be heavenly minded while they live. (laughs) Are you in the book of life? Are you in the book of life? Are you in the book of life? Or do you want me to feed it to you as milk? I will keep feeding this to you because that's what God has asked me to do. But are you in the book of life? In here, you will find yourself. In here, you will find yourself. Why? Because you should be written in it. You will find who you are. You will find everything that you have need of in this book of life. Why? Because this is Jesus. This is him in the flesh. He is the word made flesh. He is these words made flesh. It is living and breathing. And you are supposed to be the walking, living, and breathing bride of Christ. How can you live and breathe if you're not in it? How can you live and breathe if you're not in it? Because this is where it's living and breathing sharper than any, ever, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
You're supposed to be living and breathing first. This is Rick Joyner, Visions of the Harvest. A great revelation of true faith is coming. And it will be an essential revelation for us to serve in these days. A great revelation of true faith is coming to the church. And it will be an essential revelation for us to serve in these days. Some will be called to walk where angels fear to tread. Know that he who is in us is much greater than he who is in the world. How do you know this? How do you know this? This is the highest life that she was talking about. How do you know this? From the faithful and true witness, and you're in him, who will lead you into all truth, because he is the Lord of the Spirit. He is the Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. God, our God, is one. The vessels he is now preparing will walk in a boldness and a confidence that will astonish a world gripped in fear. Our faith will grow as the presence of the Lord increases within you. True faith is the recognition of the one in whom we believe. True faith is the recognition of the one in whom we believe. When one truly and properly fears the Lord, he will not fear anything else. In the coming days, many will exist in the miraculous on a continual basis. This will become as natural to them as the gathering of manna was to Israel. Some of the, Lord, some of the Lord's exploits on behalf of his people in this time will be unprecedented, exceeding even the greatest biblical miracles, and these that will do it will seem almost normal as they take place because of the presence of the Lord. This presence will cause more wonderment than his works. He will be very close to his people in these days. What is he saying? He's saying that you were called to walk in a miraculous life because you're partaking of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You have set finally aside these elementary principles and these wrestlings over, do I actually hear God? Is there a baptism of the Holy Spirit? What do we do with the laying on of hands? Did I even know there was a Holy Spirit? When you finally get over and realize, you know what? The weirdest thing about this church is not the flags. The weirdest thing about this church is that it's not full. (laughs) That's the weirdest thing about our church. Is if the glory of God is being encountered here, why is it not full? God will do whatever he wants. And you can worship God in spirit and in truth. And I have never seen us be out of order. We haven't even touched 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. We haven't even touched it. (laughs) But yet in the last days, I believe the latter rain is so glorious that it's so common to go and get the manna from the, the ground. Like, you know how many years? How many years did they go and fetch manna? And the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years until they came to the inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan, Exodus 16.35. So every day, a miraculous bread appeared around them that they gathered up and they ate. Every day. Every day. They didn't pay for it. There wasn't a milkman. There wasn't Amazon. There wasn't Walmart that they were subscribed to. They were subscribed to the word. They were in him. 
He was in him. He was in their midst. They were in that cloud. That fire went with them. And because of that and that alone, every day there was miraculous bread on the ground. And at the end of times, at the end of the age, when the lordship of the Holy Spirit is fully realized in the church, this will be commonplace. This will be like, oh, that was, that was an elementary principle to gather up manna. That's elementary. We just constantly walk in the glorious, miraculous ways of God, but it's not about the wonders and the works that we're calling out for. It's, can you believe how much of God is in this place? You are amazed at seeing God. You're amazed at seeing his face because why? We're in him. You're in him. You're in the book of life. You're in it. I've been written of, and it shall come forth. I am this. I am the book of life. I've been written in. I am in it. Revealed the glory of God. The face of Jesus is the fullness of truth and grace. The face of him was the glory of the Father. The face of him was the truth, and we have begotten him. We have seen him. And we testify of his goodness and his mercy. And he told us a lot of things about us. And he saw a lot of junk in us. But I want to tell you that he didn't give up on us. Who said these? The 11, the 12, the 100, the 70 that were in the room. They're trying to show us that the latter rain will be greater if you can get past these elementary principles of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. What it means to be a servant of the Holy Spirit. If you can get past it, then you can partake of the divine nature as Jesus called us to all the way back at the beginning. The coming days, many will exist in the miraculous on a continual basis. This will become as natural to them as the gathering of manna was to Israel. Some of the Lord's exploits on behalf of his people will be unprecedented, exceeding the greatest biblical miracles. These will seem almost normal as they take place, because the presence of the Lord will cause more wonderment than these works. He will be very close to his people in these days. Amen? Amen? You have to be in this. I can't make you get in it. But if you want to feed the flame, you have to see yourself in here. And you have to let him knock on your door and you have to let him eat with you and then you have to let him tell you what he is talking about. Because we're all in here. We've all seen ourselves as Judas. We've all seen ourselves as Peter. We've all seen ourselves as Ahab. We've all seen ourselves in the, the depths of where David's kingdom went to. We've all seen ourselves here. But only those who overcame were the ones who sat down and ate and let him talk it out with me. Let him put his hands on you. Let him bless you. Let him eat with you and abide with you. Yes, in Jesus' name. So let's stand. If you need prayer, we will be here. And those who call upon his name will be saved. Let it be done, Lord, according to your word. Let it be done to me, God, according to your word. Holy Ghost, we thank you for your word, and I honor, I honor the Holy Spirit. You are my Lord and King. You are my Lord and King, and you are calling me to be in, to be in the written word of life. You are the book of life, Jesus, and I honor you as the word made flesh. You are the face of truth and grace, and we honor the Holy Spirit's work in us, and we choose to see ourselves and not stop there but to be transformed, 
to be heavenly minded and to be made into your image as we eat and drink of you at the table. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.